You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Welcome to Maximize Your Hunt, the podcast dedicated to those who want the most out of their hunting property. This podcast explores land management, habitat improvement, and hunting strategies that will help you maximize your time in the field. Follow along as industry professionals that live and breathe white-tailed deer share their secrets to success. And now, the founder of Whitetail Landscapes, your host, John Teeter. Hi, I'm John Teeter, Whitetail Landscapes. This is a Maximizer Hunt. Welcome back, everybody. I just got back from uh, a nice night of hunting. I hunted yesterday with my son. He got cold, and he said, we're bailing. So I said, well, I'm going to go hunting the next night, and I did. And uh, I had a great night. I passed up a really nice buck tonight, and a bunch of does, lots of chasing, scraping, rubbing, you know, all sorts of stuff going on around me. And one of the most important things to my success tonight was getting in and out of that stand. I didn't have anybody to bump deer off the little food plot. I was able to get in and out of that stand while deer were in the food plot tonight. So that just goes to show you, you can design a property and set it up where your intrusion, as close as I was to those deer, within 40 yards, I was able to get in and out of a box blind. And, you know, not everybody's hunting out of box blinds, but still, that feat alone I thought was a big deal. It was success to me. Seeing a nice buck was another addition to, uh, you know, my checklist. I'm kind of going through. I, I actually went and attacked the deer tonight. I plan on actually killing a, a big buck tonight. And my It didn't happen, and sometimes those things don't work out. And, and I'm okay with that. I'm starting to be, you know, a little different this year. These bucks are a little random for me, and usually it's really kind of a mechanical, orchestrated thing on these properties that I'm working on and my own personal property. And and I'm okay with kind of freestyling. And I, uh, I've been scouting during the day. I've been going out into different properties that I have access to and, and rainstorms. I actually did a little scouting last night around 11 p.m. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm just trying to take the time that I have and just kind of enjoy this season. All right, I've got a returning guest on, Johnny Stewart. He was on last year. Steve Shirk and I interviewed him. Uh, he's going to be part of this technical hunting series, uh, Snidbit. So let me get Johnny in the line. Hey, Johnny, are you there? Yeah, John, I'm here. All right, good, man. It's nice to have you back. And uh, happy to talk to you. I think you just got back from a trip. Is that true? Uh, I was in Ohio. Uh, no, I was in PA, northern PA, a couple okay. days, three days, actually. Um, yeah, it was kind of slow. Um, kind of th- them deer up there in that area are kind of big body deer. You get some warmer weather. I feel like they don't like moving as much. And, and it was um kind of getting into scraping you know but i think with a little bit of warmer humid weather and <clears throat> some rain come in and and the spartan forge app was on and the predictions it was just kind of slow moving as far as deer movement um 
I mean, it's going to pick up. <clears throat> I think it was just early, um, early in the year for, for some really good movement. So yeah, that's where I was. I'm going to head out of state here, maybe Ohio for a few days. I kind of jump around, um, kind of hit a spot, then come back home for a couple of days and up to a, another spot and kind of just work like that through the season. Yeah, I kind of like that style. <clears throat> you're you're spreading yourself thin, but not too thin, I'm sure. I got a question for you. Today, I just got two calls from clients on the way back home. Uh, one has got a tremendous buck that he's after. I've been working with him over the past couple of years, and we both had midday movement of our shooter bucks. Um, another client sent the same message today, right around anywhere between 1225 and 150 midday movement. I'm not really sure what's going on, but, you know, it could be uh, one of the factors I looked at is the, the moon's location. A lot of people don't pay attention to this. I do perigee. It's the closeness of the moon to the earth. And usually two days before, which is today, uh, I usually get midday movement. I've been tracking this for the past several years. Coincidental, I don't know, you know, but it, it was a high pressure day. It was a good weather day today. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just I just got a lot of movement today. And I, I really always think... You know, the, the high-pressure system is a big factor in that. Anything going on with you? Any data that you got today that was like, wow, something's going on locally? No, just kind of, I kind of sensed the same thing as you. We, we had some warm, wet weather when I was at, uh, in PA. That was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Then the cooler tempers came and it cleared up. And I was able to see deer movement Sunday during the day. And I felt like today, um, I actually hunted in West Virginia this morning, which was about an hour from me. And I just had the morning to hunt. <clears throat> it was just dead calm, um, even going in and on the roads. And, and I felt like I said, you know what, if I had all day to hunt, I bet there'd be some just um, some midday activity. I know <clears throat> it's supposed to warm up again. I don't know, you know, but we're getting, there might be some does coming in heat. Um, seems like there's always something around Halloween. You know what I mean? If you're in the right area. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to kind of just go down a road and then I want to switch back to kind of this next seasonality of things you do a lot of running gun hunting i know you scout all the time the planning piece of it like for your execution side of this is you know you were down and like you said you're in a different state today you're headed out to another state like how do you how do you attack these properties are these preset properties are you going and speed scouting like what's going on because i think a lot of people can't really wrap their head around like how you attack something. I'm, I'm always interested in your approach. So, you know, I, I, since I'm near Pittsburgh, I'm able to hit West Virginia fairly close um, within an hour or, or give or take. Uh, Ohio's four to five, PA's three. So, you know, it is jumping around, but having some of my summer scouting uh, in, and, and, you know, now that I'm 44 years old, I'm, I'm, a lot of these areas I, I know about, but that doesn't say that if I don't have the spot like every year, like, oh, it's going to be money. I feel like everything changes, evolves um, year to year, whether the deer, different deer move in or or if there's a logging cut or is there a mass crop, weather, hunting pressures, just so many variables. But um, I'll get like <clears throat> a dozen cameras on average in these areas uh, and just kind of have – 10 to 15 cameras soaking in maybe kind of like one area, maybe one buck uh, where he's living, get, you know, a handful, four or five cameras there, maybe four or five 
you know, maybe one or two, sometimes just pockets of areas that I, I know are good. Um, and then just, you might not know the whole deer's area, but, um, the biggest thing is scouting. So in Northern PA, I mean, I've been in that area for 30 years. And so, uh, this year they do some herbicide spraying in, in the areas. They kind of kill the unwanted beach and, and, uh, birch. Um, and, but a couple of years after that herbicide, they'll do a shelter wood cut. They thin, thin out the canopy and take some, harvest some trees and, that gets good. So I was actually on to a spot like that early on. Um, and I feel like it's a summertime things go move fast. Um, so I kind of, I was planning or I was hunting in this area with the herbicide spray and it, it was good early. I seen two, you know, 150, 160 deer on the shot. You know, I was close to them. And then, um, I would, then I went to Ohio and, and checked. I had you know cameras soak, soaking there, and, and it's some kind of rugged area. And, and ma- mainly, if I don't got my odds in my favor, I'll, I'll, if I I might spend three days in a, in a state and, and scout two days, maybe get five ten hours in a tree. Because I asked myself, man, do I have a chance? Is there a possibility that I can kill a deer? I'm not, you know, I need to be in tight to these deer and, and, um, no, I, I don't want to ever sit in a tree and hope for a deer. When I get up in the morning and it's like, I don't feel it. Uh, and I start hoping a deer comes by, I won't go. Um, I, there's a certain percentage that, like odds that I need in my favor. And I think it's a feeling I get, but, um, and I'll get to these pace spots. So like when I get down to Ohio, I'm going to, I'll get there in the afternoon. And, you know, there's cameras that you can grab that you can safely, get to that you know you're not going to bump deer you know so there's kind of like maybe i don't i think i got enough cameras that there are ones that i could ask myself where's the deer and i can i can you know if i get to an area like in ohio i'm going to get there three two three o'clock i said i can grab this camera this camera this camera and then the other ones uh and then i'll make a plan for an evening hunt um then the other ones i'll get you know i'll go in the woods to about 10 11 o'clock at night and grab my cameras or I'm potentially my wind could, you know, daytime bump a deer or, or, or what have you and put pressure on them. So that's about what I usually do. I'll get a few cameras that I can see what's there, take inventory. And, um, but I think there's a point where you like, so you got to stop using your cameras and start hunting, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? I don't, I'm not, I don't want to see that, like, wait for him to be on my camera. He's here now. I want to kind of know the area. So like I study my Spartan forge religiously. I mean, I'm, I, I kind of want to know the area that these deer have it uh, as well as they do, you know, like, like if I close my eyes, I want to visualize that map in my head and I keep going back to it. So I think knowing the area is a huge, huge part of it, intimately knowing your area. So, um, yeah, when I get to these areas, I can, uh, take in. So when I'm going to Ohio, I think there's a big deer in this one area and I just put cameras, um, there maybe two weeks ago. Um, I just feel like there's a big deer the way he's acting. He's got some big scrapes um, and, and come down by the parking lots. He's rubbing down there at night, you know, and he's using trails in and out that people walk on. And I catch him dropping down near that, the third. This is just, I don't know, just all my life being in the woods. I, I said, man, this is a big deer. But um, I'm just going to grab the cameras at night, take inventory, and I'm just going to start hunting. You know, yeah. use my 
woodsmanship and what I've known and, and you know, it just start hunting the deer, you know, I'll probably have some cameras still going through the year, but you know, some, you know, when you got your cameras on scrapes right now, the last week or so, you know, maybe in about four or five days, you might as well forget that, you know, because they're not. So if you're waiting for it and it can happen fast, like scrape season is, is in. And, you know, when I was in PA, I was trying to find some scrapes sitting on them and, and then maybe in today, tomorrow, maybe the rest of the week, then it could be like, you got all your cameras on scrapes and it's like, it might be a free for all in the, in the fours, you know, you just kind of, um, kind of get rid of those cameras and be a good hunter and, and, and set up. You, you still want to be close to some bedding, you know, this week, it's going to be some warmer weather. Um, but like I said, it'll transition from my early season where I was in PA, man, I had, I had three shooters, um, the first week of October, um, it was still in like a summer type habitat. Then what happened there was there were some beech nuts that fell, um, so early I was in PA and I kind of headed to another state and I, and I had my cameras kind of still in the summer and we had some warm weather. I was down low, some springs, um, near creeks, not way up on a mountain, finding browse, um, blackberry briars and, and stuff like that. And, and it, I had gone to Ohio and I come back and I had eight cameras in where I seen two of them big bucks and there wasn't shit on them. I mean, it, just like died right now. And I, and I even said they might be moving up on a flat and the weather's going to be cooler. They don't, excuse me, need to be down low. And there were some beach nuts falling and I could tell they were eating a softer, uh, not a much of a woody browse. And, and I, there was the real brown shit. Like what I find yeah. if a deer totally eating acorns. And so they moved up on his beach and, and there's not much, you know, there's not much to see. Um, cause it, the beach in my area is most, sometimes they won't pollinate or not enough water and you'll have to husk. You won't have a lot of meat, a lot of seeds. So I think they are eating beach, but traveling a lot and moving. And I was afraid that's going to happen. They get up in that flat and, different areas and just move a lot and you're not you're not seeing you know you'll see the brown shit but it's just it's tough so um i kind of moved my cameras up there i didn't i barely hunted you know i was focusing on early season you know early october and they were still summertime patterns hot weather and and then we got some cooler weather and on top and then i was up there scouting kind of moving cameras to scrapes and probably but probably the next time i get up there i'll have some you know it might be a week, 10 days, eight days before, probably a week before I get back up there. And then, you know, I'll maybe take inventory was on him scrapes, but then I got to start um, hunting and just kind of knowing where the does are and, and historical, um, like, information that I've learned where deer kind of like to hang out um, and stuff like that and just, just start going after the deer and, and getting near some does and, and maybe a, maybe a pinch point, but, um, definitely cover. I think these big mature deer and, and these public lands are not crazy out of their mind. They still want to stick to that cover and use the wind and stuff like that. So that's kind of what I'm headed for, but it is, it changes fast. I mean, from like early season, you know, maybe what they're feeding on out of the summer and then scrapes and then running. And you just got to keep, you got to be like ready for everything. I think when you're out there. Yeah. And no, a lot of good information in that dialogue you just kind of gave us. So this, this thing of change and how quickly things change, you know, I, I'm paying attention tonight. So I'll just kind of paint the picture. So 
on my property tonight, there were five different bucks that were running in different locations. So one of the other bucks, it's a pretty good buck, came up, and I was watching him, you know, work a bunch of does in front of uh, another subordinate subordinate deer. While the subordinate deer was making, you know, a scrape on a, a scrape post that I have out there, the buck swung back around the, the bigger buck and came in and just started plowing. Like he, he was eating. So he, he stayed off the... You know, the brassica radish blunt I have, there's a little wheat mixed in there, a little crimson clover, you know, uh, red clover, excuse me. And then he's popped over and he went to the white, red, and wheat, hammering the wheat, hammering, absolutely hammering the wheat. And so it was interesting watching him just mow, 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 mow. And then he ate for about 25 minutes, turned back around and sat there, and he's about to bed down. And all of a sudden, two does came up and he went right after him. And turned right back around and went back down and mowed, mowed, mowed. I actually think he was kicking him off the field. I think, <laughs> I think he wanted that field to himself. And I thought that was kind of an interesting just saga. Another thing I was paying attention to was, you know, how the deer interface with the licking branches, you know, what they use, like, you know, they have, have a tendency to use their, you know, their, their face a lot more than we pay attention to. And a lot of times they use their nose. A lot of people focus on, you know, the, the glands around their forehead and near their eyes, but they use their nose a lot. There's a lot of communication just around mucal, uh, the mucus piece of their their face that that they apply to to um, you know to different licking branches, etc. So you know, small tidbit, but like that type of communication on your landscape is big right now. Like the social piece of it, like you just mentioned, like the next three, four, five days of scrape activity, it should just jump. And all of a sudden it falls off the, the face of the earth and we're into, you know, real hunting time. And, you know, mm-hmm. your cameras, you know, they may be in great locations, high trigger speeds, everything like that. But you're not going to pick the whole story up out of these cameras. So now it's time to just kind of rock and roll and get out there. I think this piece of it's a, a critical piece because if you're a small landowner or somebody who doesn't have a lot of spots, you got to be a little more cautious than maybe Johnny, you just running and gunning, so to speak. So, you know, what would you suggest, or maybe you just say, go for it. If you've got Intel, go for it. How would you have somebody approach like these next five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 days? Cause we're about to go through some real quick changes in just a you know matter of minutes here. Yeah. Um, so like when I, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, you know, like, so I'm going to go to Ohio, you know, we've got some warmer temperatures and that's the reason why I'm going down there. Cause these Northern bucks in PA are, they don't move. So I, I had a choice of going to PA. I'm going down there. It's going to be warmer. I feel like they're more apt to these mountain bucks down there. It's, their bodies are smaller. I think are made for the heat a little more Southern yep. Ohio. But, um, yeah, I'm, I was asking myself the same question, John. What's my move when I get there? So, like I said, I'm going to get some cam- cameras in the evening. I know one spot that has a really big old white oak. Um, I'm anxious that maybe I can get in and, and catch. I know those have been feeding on it. Um, and I'm hoping, like, when I check my camera, maybe they'll have a, some daytime buck activity. So food is still um, not out of the, you know, realm uh, possibilities to catch these bucks yet, um, especially if does are feeding in that area. So, yeah, I got this big white oak I'm checking, and then I think um, this other spot I have, <clears throat> where I think a big old buck's hanging out. Um, he's kind of in between a couple thickets, so I'm, I'm I'm wondering if he can, you know. And I got some cameras there, and the ones I'll check at night. I'm wondering if I can 
It's going to be hot, but I'm wondering if I can get in between maybe these thickets. What I know, not only does he bed in there, you know, there's also does in there. So I'm wondering if, you know, I can catch him in between them bedding areas, you know, maybe just keep an eye on a doe because it is, it, it's uh, as long as you feel safe going from point A to point B, whether you, you know, uh, you don't, it's not like, I'm not talking like a, a mile walk to the next, next doe bedding area, but, he's, but I see he's setting himself up to where he has everything he needs. He got the cover, he got the does right there. There's a, basically a mountain ridge, and then down the um, the north side and the you know the south side, there's thick stuff, and, and there's a little low gap in that mountain. And I'm wondering if maybe I can catch him, you know, through through the you know he's, he can be antsy himself. And and I, I'm thinking that he's in this thicket, you know, and um, he's just kind of waiting. You know, he's jonesing himself to get after these does. I'm thinking maybe I can get in the saddle, catch him crossing. I don't know that, you know. But um, oh, I really can't get in his thicket. But if it's an area that I think he's safe traveling to maybe set up, maybe it'll be at 1 or 2 o'clock, I'll catch him crossing that ridge or morning or something like that. But so I'm thinking along those lines, um, food, um, and also maybe like a transition area where you think um, he can um, get to another doe bed. And then I got a couple scrapes of his that I'm wondering – if, if it's, I'm thinking I could probably get on those, uh, and they're just outside of the one thicket on a, you know, he'll, he'll catch the wind or the thermals in the evening, uh, and, and work, um, out into the, um, oaks from this thicket, you know, maybe I can get on the, I, I don't have all the answers, you know, if I did, every time I go out, I'd shoot a buck, but this was going <laughs> on in my, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. well, going on my house, in, in my head, where, and, and I always have enough spots, so like the one white oaks in the one area, and there's big bucks. This is another area. And then I also have a couple straggler areas, another hollow, but I just don't feel like I'm sure of, you know, it's tougher to get into. Get into. And then I got another spot. I got a bunch of cameras that um, it's another long hike. Um, and so, so like from where my place, I, I have a camp and I hunt some public. I mean, some of this public's 40, 50 minutes away, you know, and I'm finding, you know, with the time I have, um, I'm hunting I have good, I think it's a big deer and I'm going to have odds at getting after this deer and, um, the one white oak. So whatever you feel like you got your best chance of seeing a deer, but it are those questions I ask myself, what is he, where is he at, you know, in this, um, time frame of year, you know, maybe a younger deer, you can catch him crossing doe bedding, but does he do it? I don't know. Um, hopefully it, with some of these cameras have some daytime activity. Um, that would be great, man. That'd be great. Then I know he hasn't been bothered in, in this area. It has hunting pressure, but I don't think guys really moved in much, you know, getting to November. I think there'll be guys there. So that's another reason I'm kind of getting down there. So I don't, so that's what's going on in my head. And, and if it was an area that I didn't feel confident about, if, if you sit and, if you're just going to hunt and hope to see a deer, I usually don't hunt. I want to know that I have a good chance to some degree of shooting a deer, you know, or, or seeing a deer, you know, something along those lines. And maybe just the amount of, if there's, you know, if it's a place you were in the past that you've seen bucks. And so like the one Oak area where I'm thinking is buck, I don't know if he's he's coming out of that thicket. I don't, I don't know if you don't know the deers, if it's a big mature deer, you don't know he's there. Um, in daytime feeding, um, chances are, and like we set up, uh, 
last week in PA and it was early for, so what he was betting areas here and we were about 400 yards away and um, just across the road out of his betting area and we were maybe 200 yards in the woods and I I got a camera guy goes with me and I said to him I said he ain't, you know the scrapes were there the rubs there and um, Harry said I said he's not coming what you mean? looks good he's betting right I said I'm, we're four to six hundred yards from where he beds. It's it's um it's October. I think it was like fifteenth or something. I said this is a you know one hundred fifty inch deer and he's five. I said if these deer get up at this time of year and walk six hundred yards, well there wouldn't be many big bucks around. I said this is after you know this is after dark. He's it's that time you know when we left the early season the browse in summertime they were you know I caught them deer an hour before dark like they might do in the summer, but then there's that transition to before you know they're they're not dumb you know the hunters are coming in the woods and for him you know he's not that anxious to go six hundred yards you know what I mean yeah. Um, he, he's going to stick to his safe areas. But like I said, I'm anxious to get down to Ohio and see if this oaks, if this buck is daylight. And that's a big, th- big thing. If he's daylight now, then I know the next three days I'm hunting. I'm like, I got a real good chance of seeing him because it's only going to get better, you know? Yeah. So I got a couple questions for you. This this whole concept of, you, you talked a little bit, I, I've talked a little bit about this on the podcast with a few other guests that we've had of this there's a guttural piece of this, meaning like you you walk in and you feel it, like your spidey senses go off. There's another piece of it that is being sensible about things. So it sounds like it's a combination of that for you, you know, plus the intel. You know, when you're looking at an area, we've got some warmer temperatures coming up. You know, I, I'm a big fan of north slopes this time of year, particularly because we have we've had definitely a climate shift and we're seeing warmer temperatures, certainly in October, November. You know, what are you doing? You know, this time of year, like, what are you looking at terrain feature-wise when you're going to set up in a location like this? Is terrain playing a part in the equation of kind of how you attack this deer that we were just talking about? I I don't think terrain is huge. I know some of the one thickets on the north side, it's going to be cooler. um, But it's not too far over the ridge to the other side. It feels pretty safe traveling there. I think it's maybe a hundred some feet up to the ridge and down the other side. It's not too crazy. Um, I could see him doing that. And I'm even thinking that he might, I mean, it's a narrow ridge. He might be bedded on this ridge in the morning, kind of, you know, it's way up high. Um, Cooler, you know, and I look at the morning temperature, the coolest time of the day that I even thought about getting on this ridge. Uh, I'll get there two hours before light. If I have to, if I feel like he's going to stage up there, and lay and let the thermals come up and you know he can take his choice of where he wants to go from there i feel like that's a good safe spot you know i'll just wait until daylight and hopefully um catch him um so yeah i mean terrain is always a factor the north slope but also the wind in these areas and the thermals is a major thing like he's going to utilize everything it that he's going to utilize all these things to help him survive, especially right now on the fridge, you know, he has scrape season, but this is what we're talking about, a, you know, a big mature deer. Um, so that's a, you know, another factor you, you got to deal with. Um, in, in Ohio, it's pretty rugged. Let's, let's, you know, let's go, let's go to Ohio because it's, you know, it's, you're talking about rugged terrain. I'm guessing it's kind of mountainous wilderness kind of areas. 
I think a lot of people are experiencing that. There's not really like food plots or agricultural areas, et cetera. Right? We're talking a lot of public property here. I think walking into those spots, we've got a, a lot of intel. People are kind of focused on sign and walk sign in the woods. But I don't know if sign, other than catching a big track or having camera data, is maybe your predominant focus. Like you're looking at these areas for habitat features potentially that drive you know, your interest, we just talked about the cooling factor, North Slopes, kind of thermal catchment, right? The heating cooling factor, you know, as heat rises, you know, it'll be preference. It would be putting deer in certain locations, likely. They want the advantage. But like when you're looking at like, you know, those particular areas, can you think offhand, you know, in certain instances, what areas kind of create this draw for you? Because I'm almost certain you have an idea uh, when you go to Ohio, like what are the, what's the, Beyond the terrain, what's what is the habitat like um, specifically that that might that might make a keen interest to some of these deer? What what is it like wood wise, et cetera? So there are some um, cuts, you know, um, thick stuff for them to bed in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and like you said, the north slopes are cooler. Um, acorns are, you know, the food they're main, and it's a pretty decent year for acorns. Um, and I haven't been in the cut to see if it, and that's one thing I'm curious about if he can stage in there all till dark. I'm assuming there's a few in there, um, but I haven't been in there to check. And he, he sets them like in these areas, he's set up, he knows, um, the hunting, the, the he knows the, he, the gig, he knows what's going on. Yeah. He, he, I see how he, so my parking spot, I mean, where I think he's laying is 200 yards from a parking spot. And I mean, he even, I think the trail that goes up in the forest guys walking, I think at night he comes down. I think I could see him and I actually put a trail camera on the trail where everybody walks up. And I told her, I said, he could probably come down here. I said, what do you mean? Everybody walks here. I said, this, you know, we're dealing with a different animal. You know, he knows that's all daytime. He's going to come down here, sniff around. See who's been parked here. He got a big rub right there. But um, guys are going to park and go up there, and and I think your access, like you were saying early, is key. You know, and then the older I get, I'm starting to learn or, or utilize places that are closer to parking spots that have, you know, your food and your cover um, and terrain. And I always felt like the deer, I used to say, need something for them to get old. You know, it's it's either terrain. Uh, you know, cover or something just inaccessible, hard to get to. It might yeah. be a combination of both, you know. So um, the cover's right there. It's near a parking lot and up on the mountains vast. And so I'm always finding myself um, in these situations close to parking areas. And the one, the white oak I was talking about, it's along a main drag, a main road, and it's only 200 yards from the road. There's a parking spot right there. And actually, when I threw that camera out, well, I had a camera on a scrape, maybe 100 yards. And we were down there in early October. And I grabbed the camera off the scrape, checked that white oak, and, and it was falling. So I put it there. But it was weird. I had Harry drive down the road. I said, just slow down. I'm going to open the door and get out. And don't even shut the door until you're about 200 yards up the road. He like laughs. I was like, I don't need a deer knowing that anything out of the ordinary, this car stopped. <laughs> they may not. So 
okay, we're going to do the same thing here when we get down there, you know? I said, um, I said, you're going to slow down about 20. I'm just going to roll out. He, he, thought, <laughs> he thought I was serious. I said, no, I said, but yeah, how you're accessing these areas and where people are parking. So that white Oak, I'm going to, I said, you're just going to slow down. I'm going to step out of the car and you just keep cruising. And then once I get up there and check, um, and then if we hunt, we're going to go down the road, 300 yards and park. And, and that, I think every time actually three spots in Ohio are like that. I'm starting to, you know, find, I mean, I have the area that is a 45 minute walk, but you know, to have more areas, um, if you have, you know, you're talking about an hour and a half just to get there and back to the, you know, when you have three days. Um, so I do have cameras in them areas. It's an option, but man, I'm finding stuff 200 yards, 300 yards from the road. So I can have way more. I was talking to Bo the other day and, I said, get yourself a lot of spots and, you know, chances are they're going to be near roads. If you have a lot of them, if, if you're trying to access and check all these cameras and see where your best bet is, you know, cause they're out there, these spots that are close, all my spots this year, you know, well, West Virginia is a long hike, you know, so I do have, have those areas, but, um, you know, if it's a bust, you you spend all this time, and there's not much time in life or this time of year when it's hunting these deer. You need to um, be efficient with your time. If to, to have a lot of um, intel on different bucks, you got to be able to get to these cameras and check them. You know. Yeah. So I think parking access, like you said earlier, is king. Um, how are you getting into these spots? Whether it's like an area that you're hunting, a food plot, or um, the place that I'm hunting. Um, and where does the, do the people park? Where would, you know, you know, you gotta, you gotta be super mindful of that. And, and I'm not too worried about these people coming in that are going to be hunting this area. Cause he's, I think he's probably a five, six, seven year old deer. And he, he, he's probably lived there for the last two years doing the same thing. I didn't hunt there. I wasn't down in that area last year, the year before, but, um, yeah, I think, um, where basically where's danger coming from? the most likely spot dangers coming from. So he's going to set up on that. And then you might be like the saddle I was talking about across the ridge. There's no, I don't think anybody's been up there, you know, maybe in the gun season, it's saddle or, and then you got to be mindful when you get up on that saddle, if he's down in him thickets, you know, the thermals are going to fall. You got to think about all this stuff. You want to know kind of where he's at or have a certain idea of where this animal is. And then you can, you know, adjust accordingly. And, and I call it probing, kind of get in, just kind of probe a little bit. You know, we were down there early October and I found, actually we went up in them oaks, found a scrape and we were going to try to hunt it the one evening, but the thermals were um, kind of going into that thick stuff and it wasn't going straight along the North slope um, into the thick stuff. It was kind of angling down like because of the thermals. I was dropping my milkweed. And actually, we hiked up a little drain. I mean, maybe three feet deep. We hiked up that north slope, and I found the scrapes at midday, you know, when the thermals and the wind was good. But I knew it was going to come down that hollow into that thicket. And we actually hiked up that drain and threw I told Harry, I said, we're going to put that stand up, and then we're going to lay in this drain till the last half hour of daylight. Because you sit in that little drain. It's a little maybe three feet deep. Sure. You drop your milkweed, it just, it just dies, yep. you know? Yep. So we did get up in a tree and it wasn't, it was going not straight into the cut, but kind of on a 45 to the contour lines, kind of down. And I said, no, I don't feel good. I said, 
this is how he's accessing these oaks. He's, he's coming down. And so we left. I got down. We actually went down the drain and laid in the drain, you know, below, you know, just for the last. And I even thought maybe he might be nocturnal. But the next day I went over in that thick stuff. I just went up from the parking, you know, up to hollow. And I went up in. And the wind was kind of going all crazy. I said, I thought I can get maybe just barely in the thick stuff, catch him moving around. But it was blowing every which way, which a lot of me, no matter what you know about the wind and thermals, there's too many variables for you to know exactly what the wind's going to do or the thermals every time. You know, there's a general guideline you can follow, but, you know, there's no, you can't predict, you know, a wind gust. You know, like I'm, when I see this article about this tightrope walker, long back in the 20s, he used to walk no net, you know, you go across these stadiums and a wind gust came and there he went down splat on the ground. So he knew wind well and he didn't make it, you know, he couldn't predict that, but, um, yeah. So, um, I went up in that thicket and I said, we're getting out of here. And when I got, we, we left, we dropped down pretty low to the Creek and he had a, uh, there was a little logging bench. I found a big scrape and I said, this is him. He's, he's dropping in, you know, and if he walked out to them Oaks, um, if he would have went from that scrape another hundred yards toward them oaks, he would have smelled us. I said, see, he said, how do you know? I said, this, this is how he's smelling his food source. You know what I mean? And there's almost what it was. There was a little log and bench and it was like a cliff down to the Creek, 50 yards. And I said, look, he can see the Creek, you know, and what it was, he, the Creek went up the hollow, but it made a bend into the thicket. You know, it was weird. It was straight up the hollow. Then it bent bent into that north slope and it came back out and went up the hollow. He dropped all the way down to that creek and he could see down to the creek. And the trail that went up the hollow was like 80, 100 yards away because it kind of paralleled the left side, paralleled the right side of the, you know, it paralleled the creek. And, um, but that creek bent into the hillside. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, that north slope and, and, uh, the trail was on the left side of the creek. And, I said, this ain't no dummy. I said, he dropped down the creek, and this is where all of the, I said, you feel that cool air right there? He said, yeah. I said, he's smelling that whole hillside, all them oaks. You know, this ain't his first rodeo. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, it's, a, it's but I guess it's his years in the woods and learning animals and running trail cameras that you start seeing. You get pieces of the puzzle, then you start seeing a picture. You know, you're always trying to see what the picture is. Um, but you could start to you know, these mature deer start acting the same way and do it like I seen his rub down by the parking spot. And then I seen that scrape right now. I said, this ain't no rookie here. This is, you know, usually the furthest downwind or they'll use a younger deer in different situations to check an area, you know? So, um, but that's what I like just trying to, um, put the probe around. I was talking. So I found that scrape. We knew there were scraping them oaks on that North side, but you know, it's tough to hunt there. Um, there was that scrape just in the bottom of that thicket, and, and uh, I'm sure he made that and headed up in them oaks. And then we went on a point at a mountain, walked right up the point, and uh, found a scrape on a point. And then we got on that ridge with them saddles, and, and there was beds up there. He's, I said, man, he's laying up, you know, three or four beds up on that that ridge line. And I said, he's probably using a saddle crossing down into these thickets. There are some oaks up there, so we run cameras there. So I just, you know, don't, there, there's, he don't, this deer probably lives on that mountain, maybe the next mountain hitting him. So there's more, you know, yeah, you find that oaks, and I know he's in that north slope and that thicket, and he's going out to them oaks. That's a good spot, but there's more pieces, more to his life than just that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
not saying if you can get a good setup there, you can just stay there and kill him. But I, I'd like to know other places where I can find his chink in his armor there, you know? Um, and so we went up that point and we, we stayed, you know, out on a point, it was fairly open and, uh, the wind was right. We scouted and, and we stayed away from them cuts, you know, uh, on each side of the mountain, the North and South side, um, dropped a couple of cameras, gone up on that Ridge and looking for human activity all the time. Cameras. Cause usually if I find something like that, I just throw it out the door. You know, I don't, because I don't think everybody is so mindful of, you know, what they are doing. You know, it's more that I got to tell you, I'm going to go hunting and I hope to see a big buck. So, but there were these animals, this is their life you're talking about. You know what I mean? You don't, you, they don't, they take that serious. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. I think it's interesting because like, uh, I like the way that you kind of framed it. You're like, you know, thinking about, you know, generally what deer want to do and what big bucks want to do and how big bucks, you know, may use another deer to its advantage, how it sits in an area, you know, how it allows people to approach certain areas and, and just observes like there's factors in this whole piece of it where you kind of understand the behavioral piece of it. It's another piece trying to figure out how to hunt those deer. And the camera data gives you some of the story. And then in order for you to be successful, you've got to kind of go, you got to jump in. And Mm -hmm. in this instance, I think you probably don't have a lot of concerns because you know that it's a swing or miss kind of opportunity. And I like, I kind of like that. Uh, And and the more that I've been hunting over the past several years, you know, the more I like being less strategic and more just going for it, like, you know, you know, swinging. And I'm at the point now where I agree with everything that you're talking about is just collecting, collecting, collecting and analyzing, but being smart about it. And doing different than everybody else like the reason why nobody follows your rules is because nobody wants to think about it in the way that you're thinking about it. it's very tact- tactical and um, I think being kind of tactical in these situations is is critical like for example today oh my goodness I wanted to hop I had I had I had to get my daughter on the bus this morning right I had stuff to do and I'm thinking to myself you know midday today I think I could kill, but I knew if I, I intruded. And it's funny because I was playing this whole story in my mind. I said, you know what? I'm going to go into this spot this afternoon. Um, he's going to come up in this location. And again, I got that midday movement on that shooter. And, and uh, <clears throat> you know, it was just, you know, I'm going into the spot. And thank goodness I had a cell camera in there because all of a sudden I saw a doe, you know, 50 yards in front of my stand. I'm like, she just got up of her bed. She came over and was mowing, you know, and, and that, that right, right there would have created a domino effect for me. So like in some of these examples, like having the Intel enough to kind of make these decisions, you know, that just happened to be a cellular camera. And again, I don't think that's cheating. That's just an advantage that I had at that particular time. I don't always check my phone. I just kind of go for it. I go guttural and I would have been in the game with that particular buck for sure. But I might have created this other chaos, you know, of just dominoes. And the piece that I like about this is, you know, you've got all these intel bits scattered thereabouts. And if you're going to go for something, you know that there's a risk reward opportunity and it's weighing that. And I think a lot of people struggle, you know, figuring out what's the reward here versus the risk. And I would be willing to bet in your situation because of the opportunities that you have in other areas, you're willing to swing for the, you know, the uh, the farthest point in the in the atmosphere as compared mm-hmm. to somebody else, and I think that makes the difference with you 
And if you don't feel good about something, like your spidey senses don't go off, you ain't going for it. It ain't. It's not going to happen for you. And you, like you said, if it if you don't feel it cutting the edge there, you you break away. And um, I, I think those are a couple of little little takeaways I had from you, Johnny, in that in the dialogue there. Yeah, that, that's for that's right, spot on. And that's why I have so many areas. So in PA, um, they were eating at herbicide cut. Well, I showed back up and they started logging. Um, then I found a ladder stand by one, by one camera. Um, yeah, and it's just, you, you got to be prepared for, I swing for the fences there. And then the one, oh, the one big one, thermals were good, the wind, and just for no reason, it just turned into his nose. So then, man, did I screw that up? Is he going to still be here? But when I went back, I started logging. So um, it's all good. And, and you know, walking that tightrope as far as, man, risk reward. Um, but the thing I don't like is when they smell you, you know, especially the approach from the way nobody approaches or roads up in PA was up high and we come in from the creek bottom. It's hard to get all the way down to the creek. Then, you know, when the roads are only 200 yards up the hill, you know, but I um, just made too much noise with that herbicide that just like walking on tooth, like he would have heard me a mile away. But, um, but the thing that does suck is when they smell you down in that area, that's a really a, a bad thing. You know, that's, not, I don't see people down. I don't smell people down here and the wind shifting. I'm like, oh, did we ruin this? There's so much. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of acres, you know? So that kind of sucks. But with that risk reward, I know there's a lot of times when I'm hiking to my stand, sometimes I go in before light Sometimes I want to see what's there, um, and it's like, whew, I made it here. You know, because you are <laughs> making chances. It's like, yeah. whew, I made it. I didn't spook nothing. Or, I mean, I don't know, three times this year. So on that, that one there in PA, he's, he smelled us, and I said, he, I said, we'll catch him tomorrow morning coming into this bed and we got, I said, we can't, well, I'm not coming in the dark. I can't, I don't know. We just sat on the ground, but it was that herbicide spray two years ago. And it was like all this beach and birch that was, they come in and cut, you know, two to four inch diameter trees or just, just smaller. And there, we just stepped off like a trail into the woods and he took off down a mountain. I'm like, oh, man, but you are, I'm like, you're, 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 you know, you're playing with, with fire, you know, because it, it, it can burn you, you know, and then, and a place in Ohio, we was early October. I said, it was rainy. It was a 40 minute walk up this Creek. And I said, there's a blowdown up here. Rainy, rainy and windy. I said, we're going to get set up in that blowdown. I think it might lay in there. You know, there's oaks around and nobody comes up that Creek bottom. There's roads, same situation. There's roads on top, but we took, you know, it's tough getting in there. And then it was the last hundred yards. I turned and he had the camera. I said, Hey, we, all we're going to do is go another 100 yards. We'll be in that blowdown. We took about three steps, 100 yards away. You hear that deep snore. Oh. I was like, man, you know, but um, we're we're right on them. We're, we're no, I know where they're at and then getting set up on them. And then, you know, you take chances with the wind. We're sent free. I made sure air. I said, I'm, I'm smelling you. He thinks it's funny. I said, if you stink, we're not going hunting, you know. Yeah. He said, I got my lucky hat on today. I said, no. 
I never, you know, like, <laughs> no, no, let me smell that thing. But it don't smell like nothing. I said, this thing been on your head. You got a big mop of a hairdo. I said, you're not wearing that. I said, I'm, and I gave him a scent, uh, scent lock mask, you know. And I said, we wash that and dry because, you know, it's harder early, you know, when it's hot. But you get in this time of year. Chances are, you know, you're up there hunting in a tree. Chances are the wind swirls around. It might blow to where a deer is. The, there's a chance he won't smell you. If you're trying to conceal your, you know, especially when it gets colder, conceal, you know, your clothes are scent free. You got a mask on, you know, gloves. And there's a chance it could not burn you. You know what I mean? Because you don't know what. Uh, so then again, with all these things being said, um, there are you have to do everything just right. So there are there I'm not I'm not able to hunt every day like into the rut I'll hunt more, but I'm not able to do this every day to do everything just right. It it, it takes a toll on you, you know, it's like like a balance scale. I used to talk, it's like you, you this is up and this is down. You know, it's like you don't you know, it, you just can't it's like intensity and volume. It don't go hand in hand, you know. Yeah. Yep. If you're intent on doing this, you're not going to be able to do this. Be sent free. Get up at 4 a.m. You know, I, I, so that's why I do like a three or four day hunt, especially this time of year. And that's why sometimes like there's mornings uh, when I was in PA, I think I only hunted two evenings. I said, I'm not burning myself out. We're not going to go sit in a tree and hope to see a deer. We slept in, ate breakfast, you know, and you should recharge your batteries. And sometimes a mental game to where it's like mentally in the back of your head, man, it's it's October, it's cool morning, I should be out there, but it kind of, you know, when you're in it and doing it and spooking deer or you ain't can't get in there or you're not exactly sure, you kind of know they're not moving, you're not going to, I'm not going to go hunt because I'll just burn myself out. So, yeah. you know, yeah. it is, I put a lot of time in the woods and that's why I always say scout more, hunt less, because that's what I end up doing. That's where I have luck. And there's times where I worked a lot. I know the one year I had 40 hours in a tree and I shot, two big bucks and missed another one on public land, you know? And it was like, just scout and look for the fresh sign and, and get a tree. You know what I mean? You can kind of do, do that. So. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned all these things because there's a, there's an insaneness that goes into some people's routines and I'm one of those folks. So, you know, whether people agree with this or not, I'll just kind of give you my routine is it's, you know, like my car, is only used right now for hunting purposes. Okay. Yeah, I, bought, uh, I got a. Yeah, I just bought a vehicle for hunting. <laughs> you know, so so it's all cleaned out. I have uh, plastic sheets. I just bought more of them. I ozone the plastic sheets. Like so, like I'm exhausted. Like it's one hunt and I'm already tired. Right. So I'm mm -hmm. exhausted, and you know I'm going through this whole like hygiene routine, and you know just just the the elements of it, and then prepping like you know getting home tonight getting my stuff all set. Yeah, I think I'm going to hunt tomorrow morning. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm kind of playing out my spots and my data right now. And 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 just my boot routine. routine. Um, I'm going to shower again tonight. Like, my skin yeah. gets super dry. Like, I'm just mentally, even after, like you said, three or four days, I'm exhausted because I'm sitting there mm -hmm. in it 100%. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I do sometimes goof around my phone, talk to my buddies a little bit just to take, just take the edge off. And, uh, you know, I was in it to kill tonight. I thought tonight was, you know, probably a 25% chance of me killing tonight. And like I said, like, I'm after, like, one particular deer, like you're talking. And, you know, it doesn't always work out that way. And, again, it's a question of how aggressive do you want to get? And, you know, is it is it a day where, 
you know, like I'll give you this. This is interesting today. So when that buck came up this evening, he came across, there was a buck hitting a, uh, a bunch of willows that I have kind of as fencing. And uh, one buck is rubbing its antlers and the big buck comes along, scares him away. And, you know, there's a little bit, uh, the way I did kind of design this, this setup is that the wind, even it, like I'm hunting these deer in like a direct south wind, which you would think I'd get it winded, but I, I have structure in there and that structure like curtails the wind. So it travels a certain way. And then depending on temperature, you know, and, and temperature drop, right, there's that cold push that pulls that kind of warmer air into a, in a, a lower region. And so, you know, I'm playing all these factors out while I'm in this, this hunting location. I'm like diagnosing everything that's going on. And I knew before I got into the stand what the wind would be like, how it would move in that area. And generally speaking, like I had a pretty good understanding that on the hairy edge, if this buck walked along that edge, it would be dicey. And it got dicey for a second. And, mm-hmm. and I just sat, I didn't breathe, or at least I, I breathe as mm-hmm. little as possible. I'm not eating. I'm not drinking. I'm not doing really anything. Um, I'm kind of just meditating and just kind of like slowing everything down. And, mm-hmm. you know, when that buck came in the initial, you know, I was ready to go. Once those antler tips came up, I'm ready. And once I knew I wasn't going to shoot them, you know, I'm just not tense, but I'm just, I need to calm myself down. I think people need to get into a state of mind where, you know, you've got that confidence, Johnny, like you were talking about, but you're like walking into a scenario, kind of having like a storyline together for what, what could eventually happen, but also being nimble and saying, I got to get out of here. I got to get down because if there was an instance tonight where, you know, I thought my mature buck was going to come from a different area and it wasn't going to work out in my favor, I would not even considered going after that because that's a one and done mm-hmm. deal. He wins me game over. I got one yeah. shot at that particular deer. That's right. it. Yeah. You know, so you know, yeah. I think it's better. Yeah, when, and I hate when I tell people, I said, you scouting, like a guy, I do some consulting, and a guy asked me, hey, you worried, he said, you worried about putting your scent on the ground? Or, you know, I said, no. I said, so I'm going to stay out of the woods and not know what's going on on a piece of public Then everybody else is going to walk through. I said, these animals, live, you know, they, they don't walk through the woods smelling for human scent 24-7. If there's a get to it, like it's a Rolodex if they're going to keen into maybe humans for some reason, if he goes down to a parking lot or see where people are parking, he's going to turn on, flip to a human, and he's going to start looking, you know? But it's just like you. You can get in your car and drive down the road tomorrow and get killed, but are you going to go to work? Yeah, you're going to drive to work. you got to live your life. And these deer, you know, I I am watch what my clothes touch. You know, when you're in the woods, your head, I try to have a hat on. Um, I mean, there's times I'm not, my clothes aren't scent free, but sometimes it's just, I don't, I need to, I'd rather get in and get the intel and know they live with humans. They live with coyotes. They live with their, whatever it may be, mountain lions, wherever these deer live. This is, they're ready for you. You know, you know what I mean? They, they smell a coyote in the woods. They, they can't get away from it. You know what I mean? Their lips. So I'd rather walk and learn, but yeah, when it is time to hunt them, and then you get into a different zone. Like this is serious stuff. Like you said, you were, you, you know, cause this, you, you got the chance of harvesting this deer. You got to do all these things, right. You know, it's like going in a battle where, you know, like oh, yeah. you just get totally You're I'm a different person, like mentally on point, like everything, uh, you know, you just gotta, it's like, 
Yeah, pretty serious. You know what I mean? You have to be that way because that's how they are with their life. And you got to be that way when you're hunting them. You know, you can't just, it's not saying in a rut, you can just go, you know, there's stories about guys just going out in the woods and killing a deer because that's the only time they are not who they really are is during the rut. You can, but other than that, you know, they're on, on point. You need to be the same, you know, way. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I agree with you. So I think this is good. I think people coming up are getting ready for the rut. And we, we talked a little bit about the next, you know, days ahead of us. And then we, we kind of, kind of gave into the idea that it's the risk versus reward. It's having a game plan. It's trying to execute. I think the last piece of it is, you know, confidence, uh, not giving up, uh, recognizing you know, you've got to have multiple options out there. And if you don't, you need to be a little more cautious and uh, don't mm-hmm. throw caution to the wind. Just be conscientious of the things that you need to do and also recognize that, you know, your success happens from the experiences that you have. And so those same mistakes that you make this year, if you repeat them again, you know, next year, like I wanted to see if I could sneak in this area that I had intel on where I knew deer were bedded extremely close, you know, to one of my stands, probably not the smartest idea. So if you're going to, you know, attempt something like that, you know, you're going to experience some form of failure. And so it's being conscious, like rational about this rather than uh, emotional sometime or just driven to do something. You've got to be smart about it, too, because like you said, it's a battle. And if you're in the war, it's those that are smarter and strategic that typically mm-hmm. you know, win, win, win that event. And, and so I would suggest that, you know, it's, it's one of those, those things that, that, uh, that you've got to be very mindful of as you kind of approach this next phase of it and be, be considerate of the wind. Um, don't think that these deer aren't paying attention to the wind. Um, you know, that thermal rise in the morning or that you know, cold shift in the evening, you know, pay attention to those things. And, and lastly, be where deer want to be. It's as simple as it is. Be where they want to be and hunt them where they want to be. And it's trying to mm-hmm. look at factors like Johnny, you were talking about like North slopes and colder situations or warmer situations, you know, picking and choosing you know, what location works for the particular deer. It's not just a slope per se. It could be the vegetation that's in there. Do you, are you in a hemlock area or, you know, maybe it's an area with, you know, upland with uh, white pines, et cetera, you know, will provide some thermal or cooling uh, benefit as well. So you've got to think about, you know, those locations specifically and, and pick and choose kind of your access into those areas and, and don't booger them up too bad. And, and uh, you know, like you said, the spidey senses do kind of matter uh, and if you don't feel right about something, you know, you get out of there. And uh, I, I don't know, that's kind of what I took away. Anything anything else from you, John, that you want to kind of add? No, that, I mean, that, that sounds good. And, and, like, when you get into an area um, with your hunting scrapes, rubs, food, be really mindful of the wind because chances are that's where he's going to come from. You know, it's it's definitely, if you're just hunting and hoping and um, you're in an area with sun and you don't you're not mindful of where the deer are, I was asking where, 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 or where could they be? And if they could be there, then you're probably in a wrong spot. So try to, you know, there's nowhere or not know where they are. You might know where they are. Or I ask myself, is he there? Could he be here? You know, when I'm in a tree, could he be in that location? No, I don't think so. You know, and you, and you, you know, cause it's usually the wind or what have you, if you know the area enough and then, uh, you know, adjust accordingly just study your maps man that's the boots on the ground and studying um it was spartan forge the light art man i went over all my stuff now 
with the LIDAR um, imagery, and you're just seeing little drains and the actual X-ray of the earth and logging benches that help you see things that, you know, with just average topo maps and that. So the tools are out there. The knowledge is out there. And you got to have a good work ethic. I mean, you got to work hard for, for these mature deer, you know. So, um, yeah, that's it. Well, I was I was happy to hear about how you abused your cameraman, and I think that's I think that's another takeaway that I had. So, yeah. you know, it's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. It's funny. Well, good man. I appreciate the time. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how you do this hunting season, and um, you know, good luck. Uh, to anybody who's out there getting prepped, you know, we're getting into prime time. This is the most adventurous, you know, period of time for us. We wait all year for these next few weeks. And I would suggest that everybody who's going out there, you know, be safe, enjoy yourself and, uh, you know, do things like Johnny said today, go after it. All right, man. Um, appreciate you taking the time with me and uh, looking forward to catching up with you again soon. Awesome. Thanks, John. All right, brother. See you, man. Bye. Maximize Your Hunt is a production of Whitetail Landscapes. For more information on how John Teeter and his team of experts can help you maximize your hunt, check out whitetaillandscapes.com.